Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District podcast. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Rob Dawson, Manchester United and Manchester City correspondent for ESPN. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you on and obviously we're now on the brink of the return of Premier League football. It's been a very strange year for all things considered, you know, a very long season last season in the end and then obviously we're, we're now going into another season. We'll start off talking about Last season for a moment, obviously it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first full season as permanent Manchester United manager. Quite hard to believe that really. It feels like he's been in the job for a very long time, perhaps because he has, but you know, only one season full as permanent manager. How do you think he got on and how do you think he fared in his first full season? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, um, overall, it was positive. Um, you know, like you say, he did come in kind of mid-season after Jose was sacked. He had that little bit of time to kind of get to grips with with the job that he had on and the players that he had at the club already. Um, you know, the first full season, I think fans really just needed needed to to see that there was going to be a step forward, progress of some some kind. And I think obviously there were there were a few spells during the season where that that looked like it might not happen. But you know, judging the campaign on a whole, three semi finals and a third place finish in the Premier League, I think if you'd offered that to to Ollie and to most supporters before the season, I think they would have taken that. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree. I think it, it was a, a very positive season, all things considered. You know, there were times it, you can sort of split the season up, can't you? Really, and that you know there was there was some worrying times around sort of January. I think the Burnley result at Old Trafford was sort of the, the lowest of the low, really. And then we did sort of we did sort of well to bounce back from that. Um, looking ahead now, obviously the, the transfer window is well underway. Um, we're, we're, we're well into that. Working on it, you know, from a journalism perspective, how different has it been this summer compared to other transfer windows? Has it been has it been vastly different in in the way clubs have been operating and in the way you've been reporting on it, or has it been somewhat similar to, to previous summers? Yeah, I mean, it has been difficult. Um, it's been different to, to summers that, that we've done in the past. You know, obviously just because of the the pandemic. I mean, first of all, shifting the dates. You know. Um, it's not been like that set period of time that we've had most summers where the season ended has ended. Um, you know, the, the transfer windows opened. You had that whole summer to, to go out, and you you know there's a kind of a set time to sign players. You know, with with the league and and UEFA trying to cram games in to finish last season, it has kind of overridden a little bit of the the transfer window, and and I think it's it's made it it has made it difficult, particularly for clubs. You know, it's something that um, you know a lot of clubs have said, um, directors of football, managers have said that it, it has been different and difficult for them because. Um, you know, what they're used to, it hasn't been the same. Um, and it, it's obviously very, very difficult to, to sign players anyway. You know, there are a lot of moving parts with, with deals and it's, it's difficult to bring players to clubs and to sell players. I think this summer particularly has been, has been very, very difficult, obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic. You know, not just talking about the financial impact of, of what that's done to clubs, but also the, the timing of things, the truncated period of time that you get to, to look at players, to talk to players, talk to agents or the clubs. You know, it has been very difficult for, for everyone. Mm. Do you think, you know, a lot of United fans have said, you know, the 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 board are using sort of this as, as, as an excuse, as something to sort of hide behind? Do you think that's the case? Or do you think this has been a, a genuinely hard window for, for specifically Manchester United to navigate? No, I think it's been, I, I, I think genuinely it has been a difficult window. I mean, I, I can only talk about Man United and, and Man City, um, really, because they're the clubs that I deal with. And you know, yeah. for both of those clubs, they've, they've both got different ownership models, different... Um, Funds available, they generate funds in different ways, but for both clubs, it has been tough. Um, and that's something that we've been hearing privately, um, you know, ever since this, this pandemic hit. Um, I can understand fans' frustration, particularly Man United fans, because um, while it's all very well that, that United are saying that, you only have to look at what Chelsea have done uh, and see that it's, it hasn't been for the same for everyone. 
you know, while United have signed one player, a very good player, albeit, you know, Chelsea have signed five, five good players that are going to strengthen their team. And um, the talk at Man United for a long time has been making that step to, to bridge the gap with the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool. And at the moment, as things stand, you would say that, that Chelsea have been the team this summer that have looked more likely to do that next season. And I can understand why United fans would be frustrated at that. Um, what I would say to, to them now is that it's, it's best to judge after the deadline. You know, there is still a little bit of time left. You know, United, um, for whatever reason, recently haven't been able to get their business done particularly quickly. Um, you know, everyone knows that, that there are targets that they want that they haven't managed to secure yet. Um, I think it's probably a better time to judge after the deadline. Once, once you know who's signed for who, what the squad looks like, what Solskjaer's first team looks like, I think it's a better time to judge. But you know, I, can, I can very much understand the, the frustration of United fans at the moment. Mm. You talk there about Chelsea's window. It's obviously pro- probably the most talked about window of any club, uh, at least for this summer, you know, in recent times. Obviously, the transfer ban, you know, people saying that that's helped them. You know, it's, it's moved their business along in that it's all sort of happened at once now and, and clustered together. Are you surprised or do you think we'll see a reaction from... Are you surprised that we haven't seen a reaction from Manchester United to that? Do you think they'll be put, put under pressure by that? And do you think we'll see, you know, perhaps, you know, a flurry, a, a few signings to try and sort of bridge that gap, considering that they are our sort of our nearest competitors at the moment? I don't think there'll be a reaction to it. I mean, I think United have got um, a very set plan with with how many they want to bring in, who they want to bring in, what areas of the squad they they want to strengthen. And I don't think that will change um, looking at what Chelsea have done. You you mentioned there about pressure and what it does do. It it does increase the pressure a little bit because, Mm. you know, we said at the the start of the podcast that last season was was progress, but ultimately they finished, United finished third in the Premier League. and, And, for Man United, that's not good enough. The aim should be to win that title every single year and to, to win the Champions League ultimately. Um, you know, it's, it's all very well Solskjaer sitting there and saying that you know, we want to bridge the gap with, with City and Liverpool and, and um, get closer to them and challenge them for, for the title. But you have to turn that into action. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that, that all Chelsea signings are going to come off and be great signings, but looking at it right now on paper, it looks like Chelsea are better equipped to bridge that gap than United. Um, so I don't think it'll it'll change United's plan. I think their top targets will remain the same. I think their plan for the squad will remain the same. But it, of, of course, it increases the pressure because you know United finished third and have signed one player for forty odd million. Chelsea finished below them and have signed five for a lot more than that. You know, five on the face of it, very very good players. So um, it does increase the pressure, and you know, hopefully that's a, that's a good thing for for Man United's board that they look at that and think that you know, that they do need to do something and and maybe. The, the deals that, that they were hoping to get over the line, they will be more encouraged to get those over the line as quickly as possible. Mm. You speak there about our only signing so far this window, Donny van der Beek, obviously the only permanent deal. I think Igarlo's loan counts as perhaps another deal. Um, but, you know, obviously van der Beek's permanent signing, the only big deal done so far by United this summer. Um, how did that deal happen? It seemed sort of from, from an outsider perspective that it all happened very quickly. You know, there was talk a few months ago that there was an interest from United side. You know, obviously there was always that sort of the, the comparison between him and Jack Grealish, you know, those two being sort of targeted as a, as a depth option for that midfield. How did this deal happen? Was it how it looked from the outside? Was it a quick tap deal of United been sort of negotiating this for a long time? No, I mean, I don't think it was perhaps as quick as it, it might have looked from the outside. I mean, Donny van der Beek is someone that they've looked at since he was a teenager at Ajax. The, the data and the, the scouting report that they've built up over, on him over years and years was, was massive. Um, you know, it's, it's not someone that they've turned to at the last minute and thought, we need to bring him in as a panic. 
Mm. Um, there was an inquiry last summer. It, it didn't really happen. There was a, another inquiry again in January. It looked at one point, I think from Man United's point of view, that he would go to Real Madrid. I think that was quite far down the line. Um, you know, for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. Um, and United have taken the opportunity to, to jump in and, and to do it all quite quickly. Um, so while the, the interest has been something that's quite long-standing, I think the deal, the actual ins and outs of the deal were done quite quickly. Mm. Um, and you know, having said in the last answer, just sort of saying that that you know United maybe are made United fans are a little bit frustrated at the transfer business. I think Ed Woodward and Matt Judge in particular need a, a lot of credit for getting Donny Van der Beek over the line very very quickly. Um, you know, we haven't seen an awful lot of, of very smooth transfers at Man United in the last few years, and and this was one. You know. Mm. Van der Beek is, is one of, was one of the most sought-after midfielders in Europe, um, particularly after that run to the Champions League semi-finals with Ajax. Um, he fits their age bracket at 23. They've signed him for a good price. Um, you know, I think they deserve a lot of credit for, for getting that over line because you know, in the past we have seen these transfer sagas at Man United in particular kind of drag on and on and on. And this one didn't. And they were able to, to make contact, get a bit accepted, do the personal terms, do the medical, all very quickly, and it all seems to be sewn up very quickly. And I think that's that's good news really for United because it shows that they can do it. Mm. You talk about sort of the smooth nature of the transfer being being something that you know we're perhaps not quite so used to at United, as you say. Deals usually do drag on for for one reason or another. Obviously, it's because there's a lot of money involved. I you know things like that. There's a lot of factors to consider, hence why these take long. But you know, yeah, as you said, the smooth aspect of it is something to be positive about, and also the sort of I think the profile of the signing is something that we're all quite happy about as well. You know, it's it's not an inflated fee. It's not you know you know we're moving away from looking at just English talent, which usually as you know you know has that inflated. Profile price to it we've got him for a good price um it just yeah as you say on all accounts it looks like a very sort of positive deal and then hard to see anything wrong with it to be honest any doubts behind that uh, at all just wondering what you what you think about how he'll sort of fit in at United he's not uh a sort of similar profile to Nemanja Matic and he'll sort of be the base of midfield three you know he look he does look quite similar in his ways to sort of Pogba and Fernandez he's a bit more progressive how do you think Solskjaer's going to utilize Van der Beek in this squad yeah, and, and that is really the the only kind of doubt over that signing. Um, you know, you've mentioned there about why the reasons why he is such a good signing, and, and they all are true. Um, the interesting thing now will be where he fits in. Um, you know, looking at that squad, the three best midfielders you would say in that squad are Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, and Donny Van der Beek. And as you say, they they are not not the same, but they all they are all similar. That there isn't a necessarily a, an out and out screening midfielder there or a holding midfielder if you like to, mm. to sit in front of the back four um the, the stuff that we've had from united kind of privately is that that donny van der beek adds depth to the squad and that's not to say that he's going to be a squad player but there have been times this season where oligan Solskjaer has looked at the bench and not really found another option um and donny van der beek you know adds depth to that midfield he he adds another option for ahead of a season where there are going to be an awful lot of games in the Premier League and the Champions League over a short space of time because of the, the shortened nature of the season. So, um, you know, whether we see all three of them together in big games, possibly not, because we've seen that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's favourite, his favourite way to set up is to have that screener, whether it's, you know, in that great run after Christmas um, or after the lockdown, sorry, it was Nemanja Matic who, who, who did that role. Um, mm. You know, I, th- I think there will be times when we see all three of them together Perhaps at Old Trafford, when you know you're playing against teams who are happy to sit there and, and take a point, and you know United are looking to break them down because all all three of those midfielders, Fernandez, Van der Beek, and Pogba, are all goal threats, um, and I think that's a good thing. So, um, 
you know, whether we see them all three together every week, I'm not so sure. But, um, you know, we certainly had depth in the field and, and like I say, a, a very good signing. Mm. So a lot of talk on sort of incomings, you know, Van, Van der Beek, and, you know, as always, every summer there's a plethora of names linked with Manchester United, whether or not those links are valid is another thing altogether. With regards to outgoings, we haven't really heard much this summer. Chris Walling looks like he's close to, to departing, looks like that deal with Roma is, is all but done, really, a deal that sort of we expected to happen, really. But, but apart from that, you know, we haven't heard much. You know, there was talk at the beginning of the window of, of Pereira and Lingard departing. Is there any updates on Manchester United outgoings? And do you, what, what players do you expect to leave this window? Yeah, I mean, that is um, that is a, a difficult subject at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. there are players in that squad who who you would look at and think that they would perhaps have to leave to get regular first team football. You've mentioned a few of them there that you know you only have to look at kind of the minutes appearances made on um, after Christmas to see that the players that we're talking about. And um, mm-hmm. there are players in there that would like to play more regularly. Andres Pereira is is one of them. Um, you know, Chris Smalling's had a very good season at Roma and Roma wants him back, but you know, there has been complications with the negotiation with that. You know, Phil Jones is another one who hasn't played an awful lot of football. There's uh, quite a lot of players in front of him. Marcus Rojo has obviously been out on loan. Mm. Um, you know, there's question marks now about Sergio Romero's place because Dean Henderson's back. So there, there are a group of players that United are willing to listen to offers for. Um, I think the difficulty with that group is that, that a lot of them are on quite long contracts and paid very well at Old Trafford. Mm. Um, you know, you get into a, uh, a debate about whether a player should take a pay cut to go and play more regularly somewhere else, or whether he's well within his rights to sit there and wait for that wage to be matched somewhere else. Um, you know, ultimately, that decision is, is down to the player. Uh, United would like to get fees for, for those players if they were to leave, because you know, the, the, the financial impact of the coronavirus um, pandemic you know, has hit the transfer funds, but anything that that is brought in will be used to sign new players. So they would like to boost that transfer fund with, with any kind of incomings that they can. But it's, it is proving difficult because you know, lots of the Premier League sides who, who are looking at these players, look at the wages that they're on um, and can't match that. So um, it's tough. And that's, and that's why we've seen in the past, you know, the likes of Chris Smalling last season, he didn't go permanently. He went on loan to Roma because Roma couldn't afford a, a transfer fee and to, to match his wage. And, and a deal had to be done to kind of, compromise to get Chris regular first team football while Rome were paying a slice of his wage. So um, mm. it's all things that, that make these things, these deals very, very complicated. It, you know, United are very, very good payers. And, and that is one of the, the problems when it comes to getting these players out and getting them regular football somewhere else. So there are players that, that United would like to sell or at least open to offers for, but they're not about to, to let players go on the cheap. You know, they want market value for these players. They want to boost Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's transfer kitty. Um, you know, again, it's it's a waiting game, really. It's a waiting game to see if any club wants to come in before before the deadline, pay the fee that United are, are after, and also pay wage that these players are well deem acceptable. Right. So not not too much desperation then on United's part. They're sort of just waiting and, and, and waiting to see if they get the right right fees for, for for these players. The group of players we sort of alluded to there are sort of you know it's not a nice phrase, but these sort of the, the, the dead wood of the, of the of the squad really players that you know that want to be trimmed trimmed down to trim down the squad. A player who's sort of outside of that bracket is Diego Dallo, a, a very interesting case in that you know a very promising player when he was brought in by Jose Mourinho in, in 2018. A player that you know a, a lot of fans uh, like and think he's a very exciting. player 
player. What's the case with him? It seems as if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is perhaps taking, you know, I don't want to say a dislike to him, but he doesn't seem to be uh, massively keen on him. Brandon Williams seems to be a, a sort of ahead of him in the pecking order on both sides, both at left back and right back. So it, can we can we expect to see perhaps a movement on Diego Dallo leaving the club this summer? Uh, I, th- I think it's a possibility. And I think he, I think he's a player that, that Ole likes. I think that, Diogo Dello has had a, a pretty tough time since he arrived. Um, you know, he's had an awful lot of injuries for for such a young player. He was injured when he arrived. Um, he hasn't had much luck with injuries since he's been here. Um, I think he had a hip problem at one stage last season where they had to go to China for to to fix that. And you know, he's never really been available for a length of games to let a manager pick him. Mm. Um, there are players ahead of him. You know, it's obvious that Arawan Basaka at right back is the first choice. Luke Shaw has been first choice at um, at left back, you've got Brandon Williams there, who is you know in a, in a similar boat really to Diogo Dello in that he can play on both sides. You know he's right-footed, but has, has come through the academy at left back, so obviously he can play at right back as well and offer cover there. Um, mm. There was interest, or there has been interest from Barcelona in, in Dello at, at one stage. You know, Barcelona haven't got an awful lot of money to spend either, and they were looking for a fullback who could play on both sides, and he was one of the names that came up. Um, I don't think it got much further than that. I think it's a case of them monitoring him more than anything. Mm. Um, I think from Diogo's point of view, he wants, he would like to stay at United and prove that he's good enough to get in the team. And I think talent-wise, he, he certainly is good enough. Um, he just needs a, a run or a season where he's just he's available every single week. Um, and that's that's going to be more important than ever this season because there are going to be so many games. You know, it's it's going to be such a, a strange season that. You know, Ollie's already said that there may be times where he has to to take a player to one side and send him away on holiday for for two weeks just to get him some rest and, and recuperation, and and you know just hope that United can play the games, whatever games they may be without him. So, you know, looking at this season for someone like Diogo, there should be an opportunity there for him to to make an impression. There should be mm. enough chances to to get games, you know, get minutes under his belt and and make an impression. So, um. He's a difficult one. I wouldn't be surprised if he left because obviously he's he's at an age where he wants to play regular first team football. But um, you know there, there should be opportunities for him at United if he decides to stay and if United decide to keep him. Mm. We spoke we sort of spoke there about the sort of depth options at fullback. You know, left backs a position at, at Manchester United that's been discussed for many years now. Obviously, since sort of Luke Shaw Luke Shaw's leg break, you know, it's been a sort of a, a, a strange sort of murky position for United to fill. We've obviously had a, a plethora of players that, that could play there over the years. You know, Marcus Rojo played there for a little while under under Louis Van Gaal, and Matteo Darwin could play at left back as well. Luke Shaw's sort of patchy injury problems, of course, a bit of a problem there. It, it seems as if we are interested again in, in adding a left back to the club. Sergio Reguilón is. Is the most talked about there. Do you think left back is perhaps one of our our priorities this summer? I don't think it's. I don't think it's a priority. I mean, I think that there are obviously there are areas of the squad that Solskjaer wants to improve on. Um, you know, centre back is one of those. Left back is again one of those that that he's looked at. Um, I think at the moment with with time running out in the window. And given that he spent heavily on the defence last summer, the priority between now and the, the deadline is signing a forward. Mm. Um, you know, he wants to add more creativity. He wants to add more goals, particularly to that squad. And I think that will be the priority. And that's not to say that if an opportunity came up in those other positions that he would turn that down. Um, I think Regulon is one of those that that represents an opportunity. Um, mm. He played very well for Seville last, last season. Um, by all accounts, he impressed Solskjaer in that game, in that Europa League game in, in Cologne um, in August. Uh, someone that, that caught the eye. 
it's been made known to United that he is available from Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid, again, haven't got that much money and want to raise funds wherever they can. And he's one of the players that have been made available. Um, you know, much in the same way that Donny van der Beek was done very quickly because it was a good opportunity. Um, again, he, he would fall into that category. He's someone that they don't feel is particularly overpriced. Um, you know, they've seen him up close and know how good he is. Whether that deal gets over the line, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I, I don't think at the moment left back is a priority. I think that the the, the forward line is the the area of the squad that Solskjaer will hope to to improve before the deadline. Um, you know, again, you know, we all know who we're talking about. We're talking specifically, really, about Jaden Sancho. Um, if if that deal gets done, um, it, it puts a whole different um, flavour on the on the transfer window, doesn't it? You know, lots mm-hmm. of United fans who are who are frustrated at the moment aren't so frustrated if he comes in. Um so we'll see. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be a, an interesting <laughs> couple of weeks before the deadline. You mentioned Jaden Sancho first, not me, Rob. You mentioned <laughs> him first. Um we'll we'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment. I just wanted to talk about sort of the opportunity signings that you that you've sort of alluded to there. You know, Van der Bate you said and you know perhaps Regal might also fall into that category. Another name that sort of popped up a bit sort of out of nowhere. We haven't really spoken about this man to Manchester United since sort of 2013 is Thiago Alcantara who's obviously been heavily linked with Liverpool and now it seems that there's a bit of an interest with United perhaps a bit of contact with his agents not yet directly talking to Bayern apparently but you know some some interest there from United is that do you think that's concrete and do you think that's another opportunity United might want to snap up? Yeah I mean I think I think you're right all three of those players would fall into that category of a good opportunity um, you know United don't like getting into situations particularly where they don't know the price of players and they enter into negotiations blind. With Van der Beek, Ajax were very clear about what his, his valuation was. Um, you know, Regulon, again, is, is someone that I would class him as an opportunity because they don't think that the price that is being banded around for him is extortionate. Um, Thiago, again, has, has made it pretty clear, I think, to Bayern that he wants to go if possible. Um, the price tag... I think the buying of set is around 30 million euros, which for a player of his quality and experience is, is reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, and I think it's only right that when players like that become available, there are discussions internally at United about whether he will improve the team. I think it would be, um, it would be a mistake if players like that became available and United weren't discussing him. Mm-hmm. Um, with Thiago specifically, I think from Bayern's end, they still expect him to go to, to Liverpool. I think, from Liverpool's end, there will only be space for him in their midfield if if someone leaves. Um, and I know that there's been talk about Gini Wijnaldum, sorry, going to to Barcelona uh, possibly. And you know, there may be if that does happen, there may be a little bit of a domino effect where Thiago ends up at Liverpool. Um, in terms of United's interest in him, um, I, I don't think it's gone anywhere beyond interest at the moment. I don't think there's been much contact with with Bayern uh, specifically. I think I think there's been kind of a a discussion with intermediaries at one point about what kind of challenge like where he sees himself, where the United would be a club that, that he could see himself at. Um, and I, I don't think it's gone beyond that. Um, you know, again, it's, if you look at that squad, you, you can argue that there are other areas of the squad that, that need strengthened beyond signing and yet another midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get the impression that there was quite a lot of, not no, a little bit of surprise that Van der Beek was the first signing that Man United made, given that they'd signed Fernandez in, in January. Yeah. Kind of strengthened the midfield. And um, it was another midfielder that came in. I think there would be yet more surprise again if, if the next signing to come in was Thiago, given that you know, they've already spent money on Van der Beek. 
Fernandez has already come in in, in January. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me personally, it would be a surprise if, if he was the next signing through the door. Um, because I say, I mean, I think most of the signals point to him going to Liverpool if he does leave Bayern. But again, you know, very, very good player. Someone that United know an awful lot about. Someone that, who is available apparently for a reasonable price. And, and that is what has generated the interest from United. Mm. Just to confirm, you say there that the, the the sort of interest hasn't gone too far. You know, as you say, simply sort of discussions at the moment between intermediaries. There were some reports saying that Solskjaer spoke to Thiago in person. Is that is that completely untrue? I don't know about that. I mean, I wouldn't like to. I'd, I'm, I have seen that story. I wouldn't like to say mm-hmm. that was untrue. It's not something that I've I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, with with Van der Beek, or that all I can say is that Solskjaer didn't speak to him until it became very very clear that he was moving to or Ajax would allow him to move to, to Old Trafford. Um, you know, Solskjaer spoke to him over FaceTime before the, the deal was done, but that was more to kind of get a, a feel for his personality, the kind of guy that he is. Um, you know, it's possible that, that Solskjaer may have spoken to Thiago. I, I don't know that. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's Solskjaer, if he has, it's Solskjaer doing his due diligence. You know, Solskjaer's made it very, very clear that he doesn't just want superstar footballers at his club. He wants good personalities. He wants people that are going to fit into the dressing room. And it's, you know, it is his job to, to look at that kind of thing and, and to see if that, that guy is the right guy to come into the dressing room and, and not rock the vote. Um, you know, I think we've seen that a few times over the last few years where players have come in and, and clearly haven't fit into the dressing room. And I think Solskjaer's keen to eradicate that and get a really good group of players together. And I think you know, speaking to these players before deals have been done is, is a key part of that. Mm. Moving on to Sancho, a man who obviously is is the the main man of the summer. You know, the, every summer we seem to get a name that's sort of omnipresent throughout and, and continually linked to United. You know, last summer we had sort of that Paolo Dybala saga toward, towards the end of things. Now, this year it's uh, it's James Sancho, sort of similar to the Harry Maguire deal as well, actually, last summer. Um, it seems to be sort of dragging on and on. Things seem to be sort of slowly ticking over behind the scenes, although it's all gone pretty quiet there's sort of contradictory reports now you know some journalists are saying that, that there's a problem with sort of personal terms and agent fees and then other other sources are saying that it's, that it's with the actual transfer fee between United and Dortmund what's the latest on that and why do you think there are sort of a differing sort of sources and opinions on that well I mean with stuff like that firstly that there's always going to be differing stories because there are obviously a lot of people involved in this as there's Man United and a team of people that that are employed by them to deal with this. There's Jaden Sancho and his representatives and his agent. And there's also Borussia Dortmund um, and, and the people that are employed by them to, to deal with it as well. So um, there are always different sides to the story, different um, you know, things that crop up said by different, different people and reported by different outlets. Um, you know, my understanding is that United are very interested in him. They, they like him a lot. He was made their top summer target a while ago, um, that move has been complicated by the the pandemic and the, the hit on um, the, the finances and, and the fees that United deem acceptable to be spending in a window in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I think all three of those areas that you mentioned, wages, agent fees and the actual fee itself are, are all sticking points at the moment. Um, what I would say is that if, if United can't agree wages or can't get close to agreeing wages and can't get close to agreeing an agent fee, there is very little point in sitting down with Bush Dortmund every single day to thrash out a, a fee or a structure to that fee because you know, it's all very well agreeing a, a 
price with with Borussia Dortmund if they if if the player doesn't want to accept the terms that are on offer, that deal's not going to go through. I think United want to get to a point where they know Jaden Sancho is happy with what is on offer to come to Manchester United. Um, agent fees is a tricky one because you know they it's easy for fans to kind of go oh you know agents just trying to make money off a deal that's nothing to do with them. Well, you know they do play an important role in this, and mm. you know United paying finding a, a fee that's acceptable to the agent is an important part of that. And that's something that hasn't been agreed yet. Um, and then also you, you've got the problem with the fee, you know, he's valued at around 120 million euros by Borussia Dortmund. United think that that's unrealistic in a window that's been hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, they're, they're not saying that they want him on the cheap. They, they want the fee to reflect what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And, they're open to, to negotiating a, a structured fee where, you know, Borussia Dortmund get close to what their value is, but maybe over a period of time in instalments with add-ons, depending on how Jaden performs, if and when he signs, you, you know, the likes of you know, paying extra for 25 Premier League appearances or appearances in the Champions League or whether he wins the Ballon d'Or. You know, very, very similar to what we saw United do with Bruno Fernandes in, in January. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, in this instance, the selling club always wants the bulk of the money up front. You know, they don't want to rely on Sancho being named the Ballon d'Or winner to get an extra €10 million. Euros. They want the whole thing up front. They want to be able to plan with that finance and spend it accordingly. Yeah. So you can see it from, from all sides. I, I think from United's point of view, it's not something that they're going to give up on lightly because he's a player that Solskjaer wants. But um, you know, they are willing to turn their attention to other targets. The, the, the names that have been mentioned, there is interest in all of those, likes of Kingsley Coman, um, Douglas Costa, uh, Dembele at Barcelona. Um, so there are other options. It's, it's how far United take this before they turn around and go, well, no, we don't think this is going to happen, so we're going to turn our attention to something else because, um, because Oli needs a player. Um, and the one thing that has been reiterated to us privately ever since this started was that this isn't a case of Solskjaer saying it's Sancho or no one. He has identified an area of his squad that he thinks is that needs strengthened, a critical area of his squad. Clearly, Sancho is the the top target in that position, mm-hmm. but it's not a case of Sancho or, or bust. You know that they are ready to to look at something else because, you know, for Solskjaer, it's about having a well-rounded squad. It's not necessarily about having this one player who's going to transform United into into title winners. So, um, the issue now for United is how is how far down the line they take this because. Clearly, if they're still in this position on deadline day, that deal probably isn't going to happen and they need to bring someone in. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult. It's the, at the moment, it's, it seems to be slow progress, um, mm. very, very slow progress, and that there are an awful lot of hurdles to get over. Um, I think the fact that they're still talking is a positive sign because it's not as if Dortmund have just said, no, go away, we're not talking to you again. Discussions are going on behind the scenes and negotiations are continuing which is a good sign. It's just a little bit worrying for United fans that it's, it's not moving particularly fast. Mm. Do you think there's an adamancy from, from United to, to not sort of be mugged, mugged off in a sense by sort of, you know, the agent fees we've all heard, you know, past deals, deals that have just gone sort of completely wrong, you know, the Alexis Sanchez deal, wages, you know, fit the fees involved with that obviously ended up being, you know, a, a really poor signing financially for the club and, you know, other signings you can go on, you know, Angel Di Maria, etc. Do you think there's an adamancy from United to sort of stay strong or do you think there could come a point where sort of they, they end up just paying the fee sort of as we've seen before as well from the club? 
Yeah, I mean, I think United are trying to move away from that. Um, I think there's a realisation from an awful lot of people at Old Trafford that Alexis Sanchez, the deal for him in particular, was not a good deal both on and off the field. Yeah. They ended up paying what he wanted. Um, and it ended up causing problems in the dressing room. You know, there's, there's no getting away from that. The other players in the dressing room saw what he was on and started to measure their own value against him as a top earner and asking for more money. And it, and it did cause trouble in the, in the dressing room. And the reason that United are, are staying so firm on, on wages in particular is for that very reason, that, that they don't feel that there's, a, there's much of a point of finally getting rid of Alexis Sanchez this summer, only to bring in someone who may, may or may not cause the same problems mm. later down the line. They want to keep a tight rein on finance. And I think that's fair enough. Um, I also think that... You know, there, there is a, an issue that, that United have, and you know, I think it's United fans call it the United tax, don't they, or whatever, that, that once United come calling, immediately there's a, a zero added on. Yeah. And, and again, I think there is an element of that. I think, you know, agents are entitled to, to ask for what they, they want, and it's up to the club to negotiate that down. A player as well, you know, a, a player sees Man United are interested and think that, they can ask for whatever they want. A, a club see that United are interested in one of their players and again, ask for whatever they want. And I, I think United are trying to move away from, from doing that and just paying up and just giving in to, to these kind of demands, which you know, I, I must say I, I agree with. I, I can understand again that, that the fans are frustrated because fans ultimately want to see Jaden Sancho holding up the number seven shirt at Old Trafford and they don't care mm. how much it costs because... Um, you know, it's it's not their money, but yeah. you know, United have a responsibility to the football club to to keep a rein on this this type of thing. Um, and you know, you, it, it's it's tough because you know, say they do go and pay what what Dortmund want for for Sancho. Say they do give him what he wants wage wise. The next time that we're talking about this kind of saga, the same thing happens again. You know, the the selling club want an extra zero on the fee. The player wants an extra zero on his wage. The agent wants a zero on his feet. And it just spirals out of control. I think United mm-hmm. are trying to keep a, a tight a tight rein on this. And I think they still think there's a chance of getting a half-decent deal for Jaden Sancho. You know, they, they don't think they're going to get him on the cheap. They know how much these deals cost. They know that they're going to have to pay um, a lot of money for the best players in the world. They realise that. But they do feel that, that there is negotiation to be done and they can they can come out of these negotiations with something that they believe is a fair deal. And I think that's, you know, from, from Man United's point of view, I think that's fair enough. Mm. Do you think the, the Kai Havertz deal going from sort of Bayer Leverkusen to Chelsea is sort of, it's quite a good comparison that you think sort of to, to Sancho going to United. Do you think that's going to work against United in that, you know, Bayer Leverkusen can, or sort of Dortmund rather can, can directly sort of compare that deal and say, you know, the, the Chelsea were able to pay that money. We're not going to lower our standards for our star player here at Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a, a little bit of a compare and contrast um, with with deals like that. You know, you only have to look back at the summer that that Neymar moved to to PSG, and you know, deals that had nothing to do with Neymar suddenly became astronomical because that was the new the, mm. the new bar for signings. And I remember sitting with with Jose Mourinho after signing Nemanja Matic, and the first thing he said was, "I'm glad that we've signed Matic before the Neymar deal because he know he knew that." If they tried to sign Matic after the Neymar deal, Neymar um, Matic, sorry, would have gone from a forty million pound player to an eighty million pound player yeah. because that was that's the nature of these windows. Um, I've had nothing to suggest that that Dortmund are going to soften their stance on on Jaden Sancho. Um, I think they've been pretty clear 
about how, how highly they value him, what the fee is. I think it will come down to whether United can kind of come to some kind of compromise about the way that that, that fee is structured, you know, how much is paid up front, how much is paid in bonuses. Um, I think there is a little, probably a little bit of wiggle room around, you know, whether it's over £100 million or under £100 million. Um, I can't see them getting too far away from that because that's how highly Dortmund value him. But um, I think that the compromise will lie in the way that United structure that deal. And, and if it's, if they can come up with a plan that's acceptable to Dortmund. Mm, Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I don't know if you've got any last words for the listeners. It's been very enjoyable listening to your insight. No, I mean, the, obviously the final thing I would say is, is that I understand your frustration, um, but judge after the, the deadline. You know, fans want new signings. They want uh, the best team on the field as, as they possibly can. Um, judge after the deadline um, and, and we'll see where we're at. Maybe we, um, I'll come back on afterwards and eat all these words that I've just said. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Rob. Thank you.